In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, and the grace to make this time a prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, speaking of John the Baptist, Jesus says these words, The kingdom of heaven is taken by violence, and the violent take it by storm. Perhaps the more famous translation of this verse is from the Dewey Reims translation. The kingdom of heaven is taken by violence, and the violent bear it away. Lord, we want to pray in your presence today about the need for interior struggle, interior violence. The saints, I'm thinking particularly of St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Augustine, interpret this, this verse precisely in this way. The violence that our Lord is talking about and the violent that take the kingdom of heaven by storm, that bear it away, are those who are doing violence to their, to their own selves in, in a way, to their own evil inclinations, to their own disorder. It's a battle that's happening on the inside of the person in the interior life of the person. And this is something that we need to recognize and accept. Because of our call to holiness, our soul is a battlefield. Because of the presence of sin in my life, my soul, my life is a battlefield. The Vulgate translation of the book of Job has that line where it says, man's life on earth is warfare. And the primary place of fighting that war, fighting that warfare, is within us. It's within our soul. It's in our heart. Jesus also says in a certain place, the kingdom of God is within you. He says, don't look, don't say, lo, here it is, or lo, there it is. For the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of heaven is taken by violence, and the violent bear it away. So we want to imagine, we can use our imagination in this time of prayer, Lord, in your presence, to imagine a battlefield, that on the one side we have the forces of good. We have God's love for us. We have his grace, his help. We have the saints and the angels on that side interceding for us. We have our virtues. We have our charity. We have our good desires, our desires to do what's right our well-formed conscience, our intellectual and spiritual formation. On this side, we have all of these good weapons, all of these tools that we can use to advance in this battle, to advance in this war, to fight the enemy. And as we look across the field on the other side of the front, we see the enemy. And there we have our evil inclinations. We have our pride, our rebelliousness, our laziness. The three lusts, right? The lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, the pride of life. 
And if on that one side, the good side, we have the angels and the saints, and the other, it's true, we have the devil and his demons. This battle is happening. This battle is real. And the first step, Lord, is to accept it, to accept that life will be a struggle, that I'll have to attack my defects, that I'll have to move and advance in order to grow in virtue, to grow in love. And after accepting this, that there's this pull, this tug of war, this competition between good and evil within me and in my life, I should want to decide which side I want to win. My will, my will has to decide which side it wants to win and how badly does it want victory. Lord, with your grace, help me to decide to to cast my lot entirely with you, entirely on the side that you are on. Help me to enlist myself fully in this war. In the spiritual life, pacifism is not an option. I don't mean to offend anyone listening in Switzerland or praying with us in Switzerland. I don't think I have too many listeners there. But we could say that in the spiritual life, being Switzerland, right, being that being that neutral country is not an option. We can't opt out in the name of peace. The only peace to be had here is by means of victory. To opt out is destruction. Why? Because sin takes no prisoners. The devil takes no prisoners. We're being attacked. If we decline to fight, we're going to be miserable. If we decline to fight, we're going to be sad, unhappy. And even worse, we'll be evil. The devil will use us to corrupt others. The devil will use us to fight against God's plans, to obstruct God's plans, to keep others from goodness. We're either pulled up or we're pulled down. The battle is real. I have to fight it. I can't stall. St. Augustine says this. He says, we have to keep going forward. Go forward, go forward. Whoever says enough, St. Augustine says, is lost. Whoever says enough is lost. You have to keep going forward on this road of our Christian vocation. St. Paul, writing to Timothy, has this wonderful passage where he gives him this, this advice to fight this battle. You then, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me through many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. Share in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Share in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Lord, help me to be brave in the face of of suffering. Lord, help me to be brave and courageous in the face of that which makes my soul quake, of that which causes anxiety and fear in my life. Lord, help me to realize that that there are things worth suffering for. To love you, Lord, is worth suffering for. To love the others in my life, to be strong for them, is worth suffering for. And if there's suffering in my life, Lord, that I don't understand, that I don't see the point of it, help me to have trust in you that somehow this is good. At least I can try to embrace it, try to open my soul to it, to offer it up 
to you, to offer it up with you on the cross for the salvation of the world. Share in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Lord, help me to hear the same advice from St. Paul, the same advice from the Holy Spirit, the same advice from you, my Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be a soldier in your army. No one serving in the army, Paul goes on, no one serving in the army gets entangled in everyday affairs. The soldier's aim is to please the enlisting officer. And in the case of an athlete, no one is crowned without competing according to the rules. It is the farmer who does the work who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in all things. And so St. Paul moves from the image of being a good soldier of Jesus Christ, someone excited about fighting, someone good at fighting, someone willing to take the share of suffering, to two other images which are also helpful, the image of the athlete who trains hard and who, who works hard to win that crown. And the image of the farmer, the hardworking farmer who deserves the first share of, of his reward. And this, of course, is, is true that the great heroes in life, the people we hold up and emulate the most, are, are normally people who, who have had to struggle, people who have had to overcome obstacles, people who have had to face personal limitations and personal defects and overcome them heroically to do what they did with their life, to make a mark on the world. People who have overcome external obstacles, failure or pressure from other people or persecution in order to do what, to do the great thing that they're known for or do what God put them on this earth to do. And we too are called to holiness, which is something heroic. People can look at me and look at you and say, there's heroism there. There's great obstacles that have been overcome. There's great sufferings that have been endured for some high ideal. And he didn't give up or she didn't give up. And therefore I can emulate that person. St. Josemaria, the founder of Opus Dei, writes, You write my joy and my peace. I will never have real happiness if I have not peace. And what is peace? Peace is something closely related to war. Peace is a consequence of victory. Peace demands of me a continual struggle. Without a struggle, I will never have peace. Without a struggle, without a fight, I will never have peace. Why? Because the enemy is there and, and the enemy is fighting. The enemy that is my sinfulness, the enemy that is the devil and his cohorts, the enemy that is the world in its separation from God, pulling us into worldliness, pulling us into comfort-seeking or the vanity of the world. Right? That enemy is there, and the enemy is working. And it has to be fought. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't um, respond to, to negotiation. We can't negotiate with him. We have to defeat him in, in battle. So we ask our Lord, Lord, help us to be men and women, Christians who are up for a fight, who are ready to fight the good fight. One of the most famous fights of all time, speaking of fights, was the first bout between Joe Frazier and 
Muhammad Ali. They fought three times. The third one in, I think, 1974 or 1975 was the famous Thrilla in Manila, where they fought in the Philippines. The first one was fought actually in Madison Square Garden in New York City in 1971. And it was an amazing fight. Muhammad Ali uh, had been the champion and then um, famously gave up his title when he was a conscientious objector to the war in Vietnam. In the meantime, while Ali was away from boxing, Joe Frazier became the champion. And so they were both undefeated at the time of the fight, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think either had either had lost. But in any event, it was a huge fight because Frazier was, Frazier was a very good boxer and was at that point the heavyweight champion of the world and was undefeated. And he had a very straightforward, hard-hitting style. He would like to come in close to his opponent and, and just work away at their body and then throw these massive left hooks to, um, to the head. And Ali, who had been away from boxing and had come back and fought a couple of fights in preparation for for um, the chance to regain the title, was, of course, this great boxer, this great dancer. No one had ever seen a heavyweight, someone that heavy, that big, as fast as Ali before. An incredible quick jab and quick combinations, and he would dart around the ring. And so it was really um, a great matchup because the styles conflicted kind of perfectly. This this one fighter straight ahead, Joe Frazier, shorter, trying to work at the body, trying to inflict as much damage as possible. And Ali, with this great quickness, darting around the ring. And so it was a dangerous fight for both of them, because um, Ali would hit Joe Frazier a lot as he came in, and Joe Frazier was intrinsically a dangerous boxer, because he was relentless in his pursuit of of his opponent. And so Joe Frazier tells a story that the night before the fight, he's in his hotel room and Muhammad Ali calls him on the phone. And this is his recounting of the, of the um, conversation they had. Joe Frazier, you ready? He asked. I'm ready, brother. I told him. I'm ready too, Joe Frazier. And you can't beat me. Because I am the greatest. You know what I told him? You preach that you're one of God's men. Well, we'll see whose corner the Lord will be in. And so Ali was famously a Muslim convert and changed his name from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali. And so Frazier there is referring to Ali's um, religious uh, profession. We'll see whose corner the Lord will be in. And then Ali says to him, you sure you're not scared, Joe Frazier? Scared of what I'm going to do to you? Frazier responds. Ain't nothing you can do, because I'll be pecking and poking and pouring water on your smoking. Bye, Joe Frazier. See you tomorrow night. All right, I'll be there. Don't be late. And the fight was truly a tremendous fight. It was it was brutal. They went the distance, 15 rounds, and Joe Frazier won. Um, by a uh, decision, but but he took he took a lot of he took a lot of damage. He actually spent a couple of weeks recovering in a hospital. Um, Ali had gotten so many good good shots in. 
But I always like that line that Joe Frazier says to Ali. Ali says, are you sure you're not afraid, Joe Frazier? And Frazier replies, scared of what I'm going to do to you? And this is, I think, you know, the kind of spirit we need to have in our interior life. We want to, we want to say, you know, I'm not afraid of my defects. They should be afraid of what I'm going to do, do to them with my struggle. My defects and the devil should be afraid of how I'm going to fight to be close to God, how I'm going to use God's grace on my side to, to attack, to defeat these enemies of God in my soul, these enemies of God in my life. Without a struggle, I will never have peace. One way of giving up on the struggle is not to embrace it. And that's called lukewarmness. Lukewarmness is sadness. It's a sadness over a spiritual good, according to Thomas Aquinas. Sadness over a spiritual good. And why could we? Why would we be sad about spiritual goods? Well, because they're difficult. They entail toil. They're hard to achieve. They entail suffering. They're challenging goods. And so if our soul makes the mistake of focusing only on the challenge, focusing only on the difficulty, and not focusing on the reward or the growth involved or, or the ideal that's worth sacrificing for, if our soul kind of telescopes to the difficulty of it, it can develop a distaste for spiritual goods precisely because they're difficult, because they involve pain and suffering. We develop a kind of distaste for the things of God, for goodness in our life. And then we fall into a state of wishing that things were easier, a state of kind of a calculation. Let's make this as easy as possible. I don't want to get, I don't want to get in big trouble, but I don't want to be too good either because that's kind of hard. And so we end up living, trying to live kind of an easy, comfortable Christianity, doing the bare minimum, appeasing our conscience with the bare minimum effort to stay in the state of grace or to be, quote unquote, a good person, right? Father, I'm a good person. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, I'm a good person. And I'm sure they are, right? And they explain that. Oh, I don't kill anyone. I don't do this. I don't do that. You know, I'm a good person. Jesus says, I've come to cast fire on the earth. And would that it were kindled. He doesn't come to make us like mediocre, good people, but saints. These world crises are crises of saints, St. Josemaria says. These world crises are crises of saints. And we see the crises in the world. The crises of anti-Christian ideologies. The crises of confusion regarding sexual morals and the family. The crises of materialism, the crises of egoism, the crises of a lack of meaning leading so many people to abuse drugs or to fall into despair, to live lives that are difficult, not because they're striving for ideals, but because they don't have ideals, because they're meaningless. We see so much division, hatred, lacks of understanding, lacks of charity. We're in a, we're in a world rocked by crises. And St. Josemaria says, these world crises are crises of saints. Which means the battle for the goodness of the world, the battle to increase goodness in the world, is the battle for goodness in my soul. I have no right to bemoan the state of the world. 
if I'm not doing all I can to make my soul, to make my life as good and as noble and as heroic as possible, as holy as possible. I have no reason to bemoan the state of the world if I'm not doing all I can to take care of that part of the world which is most directly under my control. And what is that part? That part is the part that's me, that's my life. That's my morning, that's my afternoon, that's my evening. That part of the world that I directly affect and live in. My family, my workplace, my community, my church, my friends. Right? If I'm not trying to love that world and let God into that world, doing all I can to make that world better, well, I have no right to bemoan the state of the world at large or the country at large, the church at large. These world crises are crises of saints. God wants a handful of men of his own in every human activity than Pax Christi in Reignum Christi. The peace of Christ will be found in the kingdom of Christ. And why? Why is it? Why can we think that's true? Well, because the saints precisely let God into the world. The saints unleash God in the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the salt of the earth. And what's the taste of salt? It's sharp. It's biting. It's not insipid. It's not bland. It's not sweet either. right? Salt is sharp. And that sharpness comes from our interior struggle. That sharpness comes from our letting God stretch us, our being stretched by grace, our being stretched by the demands of God. Are stretching ourselves in trust, right? There's no, none of this. None of this can be done without without trust in God. Without me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. And so when we talk about struggle, we talk about uh, attacking our virtues, we talk about fighting this fight. Well, it, it is a call to use our will more, and it is a call to be more responsible, and it is a call to get moving. But it's not a call to be a, a kind of voluntarist, right? To, to lean only on my own efforts. Far from it. It's a call to trust God enough to jump into the battle because we know that he's with us. To jump into the battle even though we're afraid because we know that he's going to help us fight. And if we fall and get hurt, he's going to help us get up. We know that he's fighting with us. And so in, in Ephesians... St. Paul, again, using this imagery of, of battle, of a soldier and the soldier's armor, talks about the weapons that we have to fight this fight. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Right, so what is he saying? He's saying you're not fighting a you're not fighting a human battle. You're not fighting a natural battle. You're fighting a spiritual battle, a supernatural battle. And so therefore, you have to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power, not relying on your own power, putting on the whole armor of God to fight this fight. He repeats that phrase. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore. And fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so the weapons in our struggle, right, we have, you know, we, we make an effort to, to improve in one thing or another, to improve our prayer life, to overcome our defects, to go forward in virtue. And the weapons at our disposal are precisely divine help, things that, things that connect us to God, the belt of truth around our waist, the teaching of the church, the teaching of Jesus in the gospel, the light that that brings to our life. The breastplate of righteousness, right, are, are, are efforts to be people who are fair and just and who stay in the state of grace. Whatever makes us to proclaim the gospel, ready to proclaim the gospel of peace, right, zeal for our neighbor, love for our neighbor, which comes from God. The shield of faith, faith, the conviction of things unseen, the, the substance of things hoped for. Faith, trusting God, precisely, is our shield. The helmet of salvation, right? What God has done for us, how he's pulled us out of sin. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And Spirit, the Spirit is God himself. It's capitalized. The Spirit is the Holy Spirit. God fights with us in this fight. And then what is the fight? Well, it, 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 um, it really depends on, on where we are in our life. Part of this fight, part of this winning the kingdom of God in our soul is going to entail some practices of self-denial, mortification. And when we deny ourselves something on purpose, it strengthens our will, it strengthens our soul, and it kills our bad self-love, it kills our selfishness. And where do I find the mortifications that I should do? Well, one thing is to look at is lacks of charity. When we notice that, I la- that, that, when we, notice that we lack charity that we're short with someone or that we give in to negative thoughts about someone or we talk poorly about people, we can ask ourselves immediately, well, what small acts of self-denial would help me? What acts of mortification would help me? And immediately we'll we'll find lots of small acts of mortification that would help us. Patience, putting up with, with some comment or situation patiently is a wonderful mortification. Not speaking unless I can speak positively or at least constructively about someone is another wonderful act of self-denial. What other kinds of mortifications of spiritual attacks can we have? Well, if we try to work well, if we think about what using my time better during the day would look like, 
what working better would look like, a better work product, what would, what would make this hour of work more effective, done with more love, more fruitful. Well, if we did that and really thought about each one of us, if we really thought about our work situation, we could come up with tons of small mortifications, moments of denying our curiosity, not giving it to some distraction during our work, to mortify our impulse to check this or to check that, to put things in order before we start working, to set a clear goal for that hour, that morning, or that afternoon of work, to make the effort to really focus on what we're doing, to shut off all possible sources of distraction. To work well brings with it a whole series of, of, of opportunities to put to death bad habits and to put to death our laziness and to attack our selfishness. And there's wonderful benefits to doing this, to taking up this fight of mortification in our soul. St. Josemaria writes, Mortification is the drawbridge that enables us to enter the castle of prayer. The drawbridge that enables us to enter the castle of prayer. And so sometimes if we realize, I can't pay attention when I pray, I've lost a little bit of a desire for prayer that I used to have. Well, maybe the fact is that we're just, we're not fighting enough. We're not mortified enough. We've let ourselves slide into comfort, into self-seeking, and all sorts of little things. And it's killed our ability to concentrate enough to pray. Or it's killed our taste for the things of God. That lukewarmness that we were talking about before comes precisely when we don't um, find regular acts of self-denial in our day. And again, they should be tied to the things that we want to do anyway, right? Like treat people well, like work well, and like and like pray. We go to Our Lady, and we can invoke her as precisely as Queen of Peace. Our Lady is Queen of Peace because she's conquered. She conquers sin. She conquers the devil. She conquers the temptation to pride that she surely had. And so she can bring us peace precisely because she can teach us to win peace as she won peace. And if we do that, like her, we will bring peace to many other people. These world crises are crises of saints. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me. In this meditation, I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.